this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook and on our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, don't forget to hit that Google review button if you would, and you can leave your comments on the comments section wherever you're watching us on social media today. If you'd like to get in touch on email, it's hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. We're also available as a podcast every Monday at 10am on the platforms you see on the side of the screen there, and also live during the week on Dilsa Radio as well. So let's have a look at what all the stories are about this week. Let's speak to our expert, Joe Joshi. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Good morning, Paul. Um, and uh, yeah, what a week it's uh, it's, it's been. Um, uh, a popular man, um, perhaps not so popular, but uh, we'll touch base on that as we go along. Yeah, I think we should rename this show um, something along the lines of um, it doesn't rain until it pours, frankly, because there just isn't any good news around at the moment, really. So let's just <laughs> dive straight on into what we have for you this week. It's an interesting conversation, nonetheless, whether it's positive or negative news. But of course, we all knew this week that the uh, Bank of England raised rates from 4.25% to 4.5% to try and get inflation under control. The Bank of England's decision to lift rates for the 12th time in a row comes after figures showed the cost of living increasing by more than expected. Inflation was at 10.1%, as we know, in March, down from 10.4% in February. And despite predictions that it would fall further, it really isn't shifting at this stage. Of course, that's making mortgages more expensive. But on the other side, if you've got savings, you're getting a little bit more for your money. The latest increase in rates comes as no surprise. And for that reason, the impact on the housing market has been relatively modest. Rates were already creeping up from February in the anticipation of an extra rise. So there's been very little difference. And I think we've got a figure, Joe, of something like £14 a month for the average buyer will be the, uh, on the average mortgage, will be roughly what people are paying. So it's not exactly been devastating news, another 0.25%, but it's, what is it, the 12th or 13th rise now in a row, something of that nature? That's right. And it's, it's, it's the uncertainty uh, of those continuing rises that are actually holding people back, even though every quarter percent may not, um, on the average, be a huge amount. Um, but the fact that there is no let up um, and uh, the number of rises we've had in a short space of time um, is making people sort of stop and think, well, actually, at what point will it stop and where where is that going to be? And um, We've had that discussion um, many a times over the last six months here, and you know I, I think that probably 0.5% sort of you know 5% is going to be where the the marker is going to be if they're going to get this inflation down uh, anywhere close to the numbers that they want to. Um, and in spite of the fact that the inflation situation is is a continuing situation, the problem is that the housing market, which is a market that is driven. Um, fundamentally by the, the wish and the want of everybody who would like to have their own home ultimately um, is really um, making people sit on their hands. And whilst it's a buyer's market, because there are people that now are looking to sell, and especially if they're selling perhaps investment properties, that may be an opportunity for first-time buyers to jump in on a property that they may have thought they, was out of their reach previously, um, the interest rate and the way they calculate that rate um, uh, is, is now become increasingly difficult, uh, especially when they take into consideration all of the other costs that have gone up. And 
actually, Paul, that's where re really where the problem has come from. I think in, in, in our hearts, we all knew that the interest rate at some stage were going to go up. But this whole thing about um, the energy crisis and, and, of course, the energy prices that have gone uh, through the roof has had a double, double whammy um, uh, effect. And um, so that's making households uh, find probably anything between another thousand to twelve hundred pounds a month, and and that's that's really beginning to hurt them. There is quite a lot of comment, Joe, actually, uh, in the property profession about the fact that raising interest rates isn't really the answer to the problem. Because if you keep raising rates up, then cost of living goes up even higher. People want more money in their wage packet. And similarly, you're not going to solve the problem with uh, the, the price of grain or the production of uh, foodstuffs in Ukraine and places like that by raising British mortgage rates. So it, there is an argument that says, actually, you know, everyone's paying through the nose just because they want to own a house or even rent a property because rents are going up because landlords are paying higher mortgages. So, you know, and we've had 12 or 13 rate rises, whatever it is now, and it hasn't started to solve the problem. So why should homeowners be the ones that are really punished? I agree. I think I think we are, as homeowners, are all being punished with this, this increased rate. And of course, um, as we've always said, they use the housing market as the yardstick um, to beat everybody up with on the basis of, well, that, that's the easiest way to, to control it. So they are, are hike interest rates up or they reduce interest rates or they uh, reduce stamp duty or they hike stamp duty in order to sort of make the control that they want to. All successive governments have actually done the same thing each single time. And yet you're absolutely right. And, and it, it, people are right in thinking that well, what's that got to do with the, the, you know, the price of potatoes, for argument's sake. And, uh, and so people are now looking at it saying, OK, you know, through the through the war, there are food costs that have gone up. But what's that you know, got to do with the actual interest rates rising? But I suppose what they're saying is that all of the things and all the prices that are rising, they, they need to combat the inflation. And the only way they can combat the inflation is to hurt people in their pocket and, um, and, and, and increase the interest rates on their lending and their mortgages. And subsequently, that means people are going to have to pay more both rent-wise. But what they don't take on board is that whilst they're trying to you know, do this thing for inflation, they're not just hurting people in the pocket, they're hurting people on the plate. Because, you know, food has become very, very expensive. Many families are finding it hard to even get the basics uh, through, through, uh, through their weekly shops. Um, and so it's not just about, you know, covering your rent and your mortgage. It's actually, you know, your stomach. Uh, and what everybody tends to go out to work to do, try and achieve a good family situation and all of those things are being hurt um, uh, unbeknown but indirectly but actually directly because they are hurting the pocket. It's also interesting that actually the, the market's proving again to be quite resilient in this situation. Activity has improved since uh, January. There is a, a, a bunch of buyers that think the softening in the market and in prices is going to lead to a few bargains. But there's still obviously, and quite rightly so, a great deal of caution about taking on uh, more expensive debt. So the market has been quite resilient. The market is, is OK. I'm not saying that there is uh, anything drastic with the market. It's just that it has become a seller's market as opposed to a buyer's market so you know the buyers have a, a better choice um and uh, sorry it's a buyer's market not a seller's market the buyers have a better choice uh but of course getting um lending is become more challenging to them and most lenders 
are cautious and perhaps talk the talk, but actually not really walking the walk. I mean, I've had several discussions this week with uh, not high street lenders, but just lenders in general who are all, you know, cautious in lending, not knowing at what point and mostly where people have got borrowing at the moment, those people are actually falling back and are in arrears. And so subsequently, you know, are conscious. So sometimes then they, they might have moved money from one lender to another, even trying to get a fixed rate. But even those fixed rates are becoming challenges because some of those uh, uh, borrowers may not be in a position to actually switch uh, financially and therefore they're actually not getting the better rate uh, and gaining because they're just not in a position to get uh, to move. Uh, their affordability doesn't um, calculate and so subsequently they're just not in a position to shift. So they are actually losing out because they're having to pay perhaps um, a higher rate when they probably could get uh, um, a fixed rate. So there's a lot of uncertainty in that sense, but the market itself has been quite resilient in the sense that, you know, because there is no movement pool, it's resilient because people just can't shift. They, you know, they're either locked into a scenario where they've got tenants in a property and they can't shift, or they are locked into a mortgage and perhaps can't shift to another mortgage or another product um, because their affordability uh, factor that, that, is, that is taken into consideration now it doesn't actually comply and, and meet the criteria that lenders want to do. Yes, it's going to be uh, quite a, a, an even more painful process, those coming out of fixed rates two and five year over the next uh, six or seven months. If we've got rates up at uh, best part of 5%, then uh, those looking to remortgage, it's going to be an expensive process. Yeah, and it's not just the, the interest rate part of it, because obviously they may have a fixed rate uh, at 5% or, or, or perhaps a little bit above, or in some cases, maybe slightly under under that rate. But there's also the cost of shifting the product. Um, and so lenders charge um, fees in order to be able to lock in and change those um, products from uh, one to another. And that in itself, so if you actually equate that over a year or the number of years it might affect it for, um, actually makes the product even more expensive. So, yeah, I, the reason why the market is resilient is because it's probably not really shifting much and it's not showing the damage that is being done because of this, but the damage is being done as there is no activity. So everybody's at, at a stalemate. Buyers want to buy, but, but probably cannot meet the criteria of the lenders in terms of their affordability to buy. And of course, the sellers would love to sell, but are probably not getting the money that they want to sell at because they might be falling short, not necessarily to negative equity, but maybe closer to that sort of level. I did mention at the beginning that uh, over the last couple of weeks, the average fixed rate mortgage has been slowly edging up um, on the anticipation of this quarter percent rise. Um, uh, and, and, and there isn't a great deal of dy dynamic change. So, for example, the average five year fix, 85 percent loan to value mortgage rate. Uh, is now 4.52%, which is up from 4.44 last week. So the market's been edging up for a couple of weeks and actually they've only added on sort of 10% um, of that, um, another 10% or thereabouts uh, of that. So that amounts to, as I said, £14 a month for some purchasing an average property and spreading the cost over 25 years. 
And uh, for those coming off a, a cheap fixed rate mortgage, so we'll be in for a bit of a shock, a fixed rate mortgage rate now 5.28% for a two year and 5% for a five year deal. Well, some of these people will be coming off of one, 2%, won't they? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, some of these people were at the quarter of a percent, you know, and they're now at four, five, four percent, five percent, especially when they are not on a fixed rate. They're just on a on a tracker. They are getting, you know, the, the mortgage rates are going and the costs have gone up. I mean, so let's say hypothetically you were paying 100 pounds a month. You're now paying probably six or seven hundred pounds a month, maybe even eight hundred pounds a month in in the situation that they are. Currently. So that's a, that's a huge, dramatic and drastic uplift in a very short space of time. And it hasn't is not going to stop just yet, because I believe that they'll probably take it up to five percent before we actually start to see any breaks on the situation. So, yeah, that isn't helping. But at the same time, it's not helping them move or motivate the move because they can't just simply afford to, to do that. They're locked in for that period. It's interesting to see that uh, well, you could imagine perhaps that some people would think to themselves, Do you know what, I think I'll just stick with my current deal. Um, better to be paying 5% than than risking um, um, something else. But of course, or paying a, a lower rate um, th than getting to somewhere around five. But of course, if you go onto the standard, standard variable rate mortgage, many of those lenders are already over 8% for a, for a standable variable, standard variable rate. So you think, well, okay, I'll go back up. To, I don't want to go up to five. So I'll just go on my variable rate on my current mortgage. But that could take you up to 8%, which would be an enormous shock. And it's not just the, the rate, it's actually the cost of changing that rate equally. Mm. So you could actually end up paying another couple of percent on top just because it's, that's the cost of, of shifting the rate. So yeah, it's testing times in terms of where it's going to be uh, for, for the mortgage market um, and what the choices are out there. Um, but at the same time, there are lenders now coming to the, to the market for 100% mortgages again. Um, but of course, those hundred percent mortgages will all come at a price, um, and um, and that's fundamentally to motivate the first-time buyers as much as they can. Um, but at what price? You know, I mean, hundred percent is is a hundred percent, and and the insurance products and so forth become very expensive for those things. Yeah, we did see the Skipton introduce the, their first 100% mortgage this last week a very, for a very specific type of, uh, well, renter, in fact. It's only available for renters, isn't it, for tenants? And uh, those that would be likely to be borrowing the same amount per month or paying the same premium, if you like, a month. Um, and if that happens to fit the sort of size property, then, then that's great. They can't actually pay any more per month. So there were quite a, a number of restrictions put on that product. But... Uh, Yes, as you say, there's going to be uh, premiums and insurances that go alongside that that's going to make that uh, quite expensive. The other point that was going to be made was the fact that uh, that was made this week by the professionals was the fact that actually the market is even more resilient and actually quite buoyant in some metropolitan areas because there is a change gradually starting to happen again in workers spending more than half of the week now back at the office. 50% of working week is, is, is becoming more than 50% of the working week is now becoming more and more common as people go, well, you know, we need you back three days, we need you back four days a week, maybe one day a week at home, that kind of thing. So that's making the appeal of the town centres and the commuter areas uh, even more uh, appealing at this time. Yes, I mean, the, the, you look, the long has gone past the COVID situation already. Um, 
it's almost a byword that doesn't exist because people want to get back on, on um, you know, back to work. There's been all sorts of other issues. Um, you know, people have talked about mental health. That's causing a huge issue in terms of people that are working from home. They, they, they need to get back to the office. They need to get back to commute. They need to get back in circle with other people and so forth. So that is driving the metropolitan, i.e. the town centres, obviously are getting more and more interested. And, and not only are they getting interested in buying property, but they're also getting interested in obviously the short-term lets. There's always been a lot of people in history that used to come to London, for example, and rent for the week and then go home over the weekend. Um, and so, but, but that then changed during COVID where people thought, well, actually I can do most of my work from home, but there's a, a, a psychological pressure on them wanting to be within a team or within an environment or traveling and, and be part of you know their office setup so the office setups have changed quite a lot i mean there are more and more serviced office facilities that have been used as opposed to um big office buildings that people were actually in all the time um, because a lot of the office buildings were where possible sold off and, and developed into residential it's been a bit of a vicious circle but i think yes you're right in thinking that there's more and more people coming back into you know the metropolitan uh, main city areas um relative stability in mortgage rates i mean yes they've just crept up a little bit but they have been generally fairly flat since uh, the beginning of the year apart from these small rises but um uh, the property market has returned to pre-pandemic levels of activity and we have a, a hot rental market which means people are more keen to buy and the fact that, you know, we now know that the new norm for financing is going to be around this sort of level, it does mean that with wage inflation at 7% and house price corrections of 3%, that actually means that in real terms, property is more affordable. Yes, it is. It is more affordable with wages going up, and especially since all these strikes have been going on um, and people getting some, some uh, results uh, after those strikes. But... Um, house prices have stabilized for the time being. Uh, there is a correction. So th this is why I say it's a buyer's market. If they can get their finance together, then this is a great opportunity for them to go out and buy a property. However, it's getting that finance and getting accepted with those finance. That's where the challenge becomes because the lenders are a little bit more cautious and probably asking more questions that they may do normally. And, and also taking into consideration all the other new costs that have increased. So affordability is a big factor. Not good news for estate agents, really, is it, Joe? Three bank holidays in the month and an interest rate rise. It's going to uh, uh, impact on the levels of transactions. But then again, 100% mortgages for renters will mean that there's probably demand for flats and first-time buy, first buyer activity. But overall, not good for the month, is it? Because there's a lot of time off. Yeah, May, I mean, historically had two bank holidays um, and then, of course, the coronation chucked in another one. And um, before you know it, you're going to have your summer holidays. So the work that has to be done um, in a state agency has shrunk in terms of time. I mean, you're doing probably a year's worth of work now in four stroke five months because the rest of the times is always a reason or an excuse of why something wouldn't happen. The fact that the system has changed a great deal is online and people tend to be a little bit more um, mobile in how they deal with this does make a big big difference in the, in the process. 
Nevertheless, it is a hugely quiet time for the agencies with all of that is going on in the marketplace um, that makes it very, very challenging, very quiet. And also, you know, people are cautious and sitting on their hands. If you, if you want to say that before they've actually put their hand up and say, well, actually, I'd like to buy that. They're thinking very seriously and long, long and hard about it. It's interesting, we're probably around 12 months away from an election, probably not even that much in actual fact. Do you think uh, the uncertainty about situation, the situation politically, because we're probably closer to um, a change of government than we've been for uh, quite a long while, and um, truth of the matter is, do you think people are going to sit on their hands and wait and see what happens and maybe not move? Well, first and foremost, I think people are sitting on their hands. I mean, if we go back to 2007, 2008 and the financial crash from 2007 to 2014, pretty much hardly any movement happened because of one reason or another, it was better for them to stay put. And I kind of feel that there's a bit of a deja vu here now where people are just sitting on their hands and saying, I'll just sit tight and wait until this storm has, has come, come over with. But... Um, you know, they're, they're, from a government's point of view, I anticipate that there will be measures changed or, or, or deals offered or new setups, and they're already muted the fact that they will want to bring the help to buy scheme back in, back into play in some form. You know, they are looking, obviously, 100% mortgages are being supported by some lenders. So within the next 12 months, I would think that there's going to be more motivation for people to start to get onto the market once they feel that they've brought that uh, inflation below the 10% mark. You know, once, they, once they're into single figures, then I think you will see more activity that will start to happen. Quite a lot of commentary in the property press about the fact that there's lots of people who are coming in as potential buyers and being rather unrealistic about the price because they think obviously this is the time for a deal. And there's a lot of people who are coming in with uh, almost rude offers. Um, and uh, whilst there is also a number of sellers who still think we're a year back. Yes, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, a deal's a deal. And uh, this, this is a window of opportunity, isn't it? So uh, what, what buyers are doing is thinking, OK, well, you know, you, you'll get... The other thing is, Paul, that there's research is now available to everybody. There was a time back in, in history, certainly in my time, when this data wasn't available. But now when you go onto the portals, they tell you about the history. They tell you when, when somebody bought it, what they paid for it. And people now take all of those things into consideration, the market into consideration and feel that they could probably, you know, make a low offer. Not, not necessarily that it will be accepted, but it just depends on the seller's circumstances. Sometimes it's a bit of a lottery. They might have got it, and another time it's not going to happen. But it's purely because more information is available now, and that gives the power to any bidder, any um, person that's making an offer, to be able to think about the price that they want to offer. And yes, some of them are cheeky, but you know what? You've got to be in it to win it. So somebody's going to be a cheeky and start there, and maybe they'll come to a level that they are actually happy to, to deal with, but it depends on the set of circumstances. Moving on from interest rates, I did uh, find this rather amusing. It caught my eye in the week. Is Michael Gove a communist? 
uh, Joe. Nigel Farage always won for a headline and Russell Quirk discussed planned rental reforms. Thousands of private landlords exited the buy-to-let sector in recent months and that trend looks to continue with more property investors likely to sell up. Increasingly concerned about mounting costs, a growing number of buy-to-let landlords want to reduce the risk by reducing the size of their property portfolios. Mortgage interest relief changes, the scrapping of the wear and tear allowance and the introduction of 3% stamp duty surcharge have hit landlords' profits over the past few years, which partly explains why so many are exiting the buy-to-let market, as we've reported, and thus reducing the supply of much-needed private rented stock. Government's draconian tax changes have not just pushed a number of buy-to-let landlords out of the private rented sector, but have also left prospective tenants in some parts of the country with little alternative but to bid against each other, pushing rents up in the process as a result of falling housing supply. Also this week, of course, the long-awaited renters reform bill, which was due to be published, has now been pushed back more than four years after the government pledged to abolish Section 21 evictions, and it's been delayed again, but it's still set to be introduced much to dismay of many buy-to-let landlords. You can understand their frustration. You know, they're being told, and have been for four years, that uh, the Section 21 evictions will go and that all this other taxation has come in, but they still don't know when this is going to happen, so they can't make an objective decision. And a Tory donor, Crispin Odie, has branded the Housing Secretary Michael Gove as the, uh, of, of, for his second home interventions as communist. Uh, he's a hedge fund manager and he's a critic of Rishi Sunak's wider economic policies. He told the newspapers this week, we are miles away from having a country that can work, it's that is actually open for business. He might as well be a communist. Michael has basically swallowed the pills, <laughs> which is a great comment. But it is interesting how much Michael Gove wants to interfere in what the Tories have always believed is a free market. And... I'm convinced more and more that I see about it, and indeed I know this was Nigel Farage's view with uh, Russell Quirk, that actually they think there are votes in this. I think uh, I, I do tend to agree that um, Michael Gove is probably a communist. He's just got to a stage where uh, he just... That's your opinion, not necessarily the opinion of Property Matters, of course. Yeah, no, it's my, my, my <laughs> personal opinion. Um, um, and um, but the, the reality of it is, is that he's been on this mission, Paul, for for some time to try and interfere with the property market. It's almost like, you know, uh, a personal hate is what I, I tend to feel because he's just been picking on the rental market, the, you know, the reforms, everything that you can think about. Um, and my question, I suppose, is that if I had the, you know, a one-to-one with Michael Gove, I'd want to know what portfolio does he have, and the chances are he doesn't. And then because he doesn't have one, he kind of feels that he can actually just, you know, throw his magic around here, there, everywhere under his um, title of leveling up. But I don't think he's doing any leveling up here at all. There's a lot of shooting in the foot going on. Um, in, in there's people are, are leaving the buy to let market in droves. You know, people are just saying, "Look, I, I just know this just doesn't financially work for me." Uh, some in some cases, tenants are actually paying less than what the mortgages are for the property. So the owners are having to almost put money from their own pockets to cover their mortgage and yet the income from old tenants, that is not like new tenants, but old tenants who've been there five, six, seven, ten years 
you know, are paying a certain amount and all of a sudden you're knocking on their door saying, well, actually, you've got to pay another five, six hundred pound a month. And, you know, it's, it's an impossible task. But so landlords are, are covering that um, themselves at the moment. And the, the minute they can vacate and get rid of those tenants, they're probably selling up or want to get out of it because all the taxes that have been uh, implemented over the last four or five years or whatever, since, since uh, Osborne's time, all of those are coming to bite people on the backside at this moment in time. And, you know, what the government don't see, it doesn't matter whether you're pink, purple or yellow or blue or red, what they don't actually see at this moment in time is that they're also making a lot of people homeless, you know, because they're not building enough properties themselves. Um, and so where are these people going to go when somebody says, well, actually, it's not financially viable for me to continue to you know, support this government or the, the local authority with somebody who is actually um, renting this property and is renting it at an under under let value, um, they then want to get them out. And this is where the Section 21 notice comes in, because at the moment, at the end of a journey, they can give a notice or even during the journey, they can give a notice of two months and say, look, we want the, we want to sell our property. So off you go. But where do those people go? I mean, if, if we're not building enough and we've made it difficult for landlords to buy, then we haven't got enough properties that somebody can actually shift from. And so subsequently, a lot of people don't want to shift. Um, and if they don't shift, they go. The, the landlord will take them to court, and the courts are turning around and saying, "We've got to give them the new word, breathing space." Um, and so the reason why they give them the breathing space is so that they can try and work out where they're going to shift and how they're going to shift. In the meantime, the meter is ticking. You know, people haven't got the money. Landlords are not getting the income. Uh, the interest rates have gone sky high for for the buy to program. So yeah, I don't think Gove is actually really looking in the mirror and, and checking out what he's done 10,000 or 10 million votes or whatever the number is is really not going to go in their favor in this situation at all that's my opinion well there's some new research that says that buy to let landlords are leaving at record rates polling research by bva bdrc found that in quarter one 2023 33 percent of private landlords in england wales said they plan to cut the number of properties they were renting out this is an all-time high recorded by the company uh, and it's up from 20 percent who said the same thing a year ago by contrast only 10 percent of landlords now say they plan to increase the number of properties they rent out and they're probably the cash buyers in truth the planned disinvestment comes despite demand being at a record high. And this is the extraordinary thing, isn't it? Because, you know, they're saying here 67% of landlords said demand for properties from prospective tenants was increasing. And every region of the UK and Wales, more than 70% of landlords said demand had increased with the East of England recording the highest levels of demand. So landlords are seeing more and more people wanting their properties, but they just can't make the figures stack up. So they're leaving, which is, you know, 10% are growing their portfolios, 33% of of reducing it you can see the disparity oh yeah i mean the number of landlords that have got buy to let mortgages now are more expensive than the income they're getting from the tenants um so it's just not it's just not a viable business anymore and i think the government's got it very badly wrong in terms of continuing to increase those rates and make those things unpopular which means that any landlord is going to look to 
sell that asset as soon as possible. Um, but of course, it's not going to be replenished. How is it going to be replenished? Because it's just not economical enough for people to continue to buy a property to let out um, because you know the rates are too high, let alone what the, the, uh, the rents are going to be like. And the rents are now causing a separate issue altogether. I mean, we used to have gazumping as such in, uh, in property for sale, but it's now almost the same case in, uh, in letting because people are, are outbidding each other. Um, to try and get a, a property secured. So if you've got a rental for arguments at, at uh, a one bedroom at 1200 or 1300 pounds, you know, there might be three or four people that are now asking and somebody, somehow they're going to end up with, you know, 15, 1600 pounds because they keep bidding it up. And, and as that goes on, yes, the landlord might come off better because he's getting a thing. But the question really is always, is if you are successful with that bid and get in, now you've got in, you've then got to come to the reality that every month you've got to find this money. And if your income isn't coming in to cover that, it won't be long before you fall into a trap where the landlord wants you out. But if the Section 21 is abolished, then those people kind of get in. It's like an entry in and then they stay there because they know the system is not going to allow them to kick them out again. There is a double whammy for the uh, uh, for the landlord as well, because obviously they, you know, in, in uh, conceding the the abolition of Section Twenty One, uh, they were promised that the courts would uh, look after uh, evictions for antisocial behaviour or rent arrears efficiently and quickly. But at the moment, it's taking six months between the landlord seeking to possess a property and to it actually happening. So that's not exactly swift in anyone's book. And the truth of the matter is because Gover's yet again kicked the renters' reform bill into the long grass, we still don't know, and I don't think they do, how they're going to make the courts work more more swiftly when they're backlogged still with loads of stuff from COVID. So it just it's just so half-baked, isn't it? And you can understand why people say, do you know what, there's easier ways of making money? Yes, and I, and I can see why they've kicked it into the long grass because, I mean, it'll only add more insult to current injury at the moment. Um, so it's better to leave something out, uh, um, you know, and say, OK, we'll come back to that. But I think the Section 21 thing has got to be uh, definitely kicked in the long grass as well, because um, there's loads of people that need access to their properties and their assets because they want to get out. They want to sell, sell up. And I think the government's got to come to the table and say, you know, what, what is their plan? And actually, I don't think they have one. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's going to be tomorrow the Reds against, against the Blues, none of them actually have got a plan for all the people that are going to become homeless um, immediately because people want to sell their property and not be actually paying for a... The landlord doesn't, doesn't wish to be paying for a tenant to be in there as opposed to the other way when it actually is supposed to be a tenant that's paying enough money so that the landlord can pay his commitment and maybe walk away with something. Um, right now, it's very much the other way around. The landlord is paying a lot of money through the interest rate hikes and the tenants can't afford to pay anymore. So... I think I read somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something like four million properties uh, are tenanted in the UK. And um, what's interesting is that if they abolish Section 21, that group of people, you could argue, don't traditionally perhaps vote Tory or wouldn't vote Tory. But if they abolished Section 21 and gave all these rights to, to renters, that would be a vote winner. And I say that against a background 
of the fact that one particular um, uh, landlord, Simon Foster, who's quite well known for his uh, political lobbying, shall we say, he set up a petition to remove this uh, Section 24 tax change for landlords. Um, and it had to get, obviously, 100,000 signatures to get into uh, the House of Commons for a debate. But unfortunately, it closed this week with just 40,000 signatures. So clearly, landlords are probably too busy trying to make money or trying to save money or trying to stop their businesses going down the pan because they can't be bothered to vote for something to actually get it discussed in the Parliament. And I think there is the rub, you see, Joe. I think actually he's thinking, well, I've got 4 million renters that will vote for me who wouldn't normally. And I guess because of the fact that they're so busy and, you know, they're making money or whatever, they can't be bothered to get involved in a petition and, and they'll probably put their ex in the spot for the Tories anyway. It'll be very interesting to see where this works. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's I, I like to try and end everything with a positive where I can, but at the moment it's hard to find the positive in the current property market. All I would suggest to anybody is that, you know, stay put where possible, it will turn, it will change. Um, and the question is uh, to what level, but at the, right now with the interest rates, the way they are, the rental market doing what it is, you know, it's not gonna be an easy course. Um, and the government, will intervene they will have to come in at some stage and say to yourselves that you know this is what our, our vote winner is going to be and uh, we need to change that with the homeowners but to the to a, a large extent um there isn't particularly good news other than that there is a great time for any possible first-time buyer who can get their funds together this is the time for them to buy um because there are people who want to sell and get out and move on in, in their life. And not, not because they're desperate to sell, just because they've just come to a juncture of their life and said, you know what, I've done, I've done this journey on, on this buy to let. It's not now paying, so it's time for me to exit and go and retire or go and do whatever I want to do. And that may give the window of opportunity, and it is about the window of opportunity for the first-time buyers without whom there isn't a market because unless there is something coming in, so there's a sausage machine situation, and there's somebody's, somebody putting something in, it's not going to come out the mm. other side. So we need the first time buyers to get back on the first run of the property ladder. Well, once again, Joe, time has uh, beaten us again. Our 40 minutes is up. We've uh, managed to discuss two su subjects in depth. I hope that was of interest. Thanks again, Joe, for all your wisdom as always every week. We'll see you again for another Property Matters, this time next week.